Wasn't that a beautiful solo? I know my Redeemer lives. Gloria and I were talking before the meeting, and it doesn't just say, my Redeemer lives. That would be beautiful. My Redeemer lives. But he said, I know. Job was the one who said, I know with confidence. And when you know Christ as your Savior, you can say, I know my Redeemer lives. I know he's given me eternal life. I know I'm going to be with him in heaven. It's a confidence that goes beyond the human being. It goes to the grace of God. And we're thankful for that. Shall we just open in prayer? Father, we're so thankful for this beautiful solo that Gloria brought forth to us today. We thank you for Handel's Messiah. We thank you for Handel who wrote those words. He took the words of scripture and put them to music in such a grand and beautiful way that it, is, it touches hearts still to this day in a, in a powerful way because it is your word. And we thank you for your word, Lord, and we take it we stand before you with fear and trembling, Lord, because we, we don't deserve it. We don't deserve salvation. We don't deserve to have your word. But we pray that your Holy Spirit will take your word today and apply it to every heart, every situation, every household, every need, that you will meet those needs today. And Lord, we pray that your servant will be hidden behind the cross that Jesus will be showing and that the Word of God will go forth in a powerful way, and we just leave it in your hands, Lord, and just pray that you will lead us now and guide us in your precious name, Lord Jesus. Amen. The subject we're going to look at today has been on my mind for weeks, and even before the last message I had, I've been thinking about this subject. I can't get it out of my mind. The character we're going to look at today, we're going to look at a woman from the Bible, so blessed my life when I read it and meditated upon it, and ever since, it has been speaking to me and encouraging me so greatly. We're going to talk about a woman who didn't grow up in a Christian country. She did not have the privilege, like many of you kids have today, of being raised in a Christian home. She never attended Sunday school or church. She never read the Bible, and she was unfamiliar with the ways of the Lord. Her past was checkered, and her profession was what many call today the greatest the oldest profession, not greatest, but sorry, the oldest profession <laughs> in the world. But this woman became, from what she was to what she became, by the grace of God, a tremendous thing. And we're talking about Rahab the harlot. How would you like it if you were known by the chief sin that you had in your life all the rest of your life? Dean the thief. Dean the liar. Dean the adulterer. Dean the murderer. Well, she had that moniker to carry around the rest of her life, Rahab the harlot. But you know what? She didn't mind. She didn't care. You can call me that if you want to. It's mentioned that way in the New Testament. But she was a woman... In the Old Testament, a Gentile outside of all Israel that came into being saved, being by the grace of God brought into Israel, and became such a woman of faith that her name is recorded alongside all the great men and women of the Bible in Hebrews chapter 11. From a harlot to a saint of God, from a sinner to a, to a saint, to a to a person that's been adopted into God's family, one who is an outcast, a stranger, an alien. This woman was saved by the grace of God and had a tremendous part to play in the history of the line of the Messiah and the line of David because she was grafted in. She was brought into the line of both David and into the Lord Jesus Christ. You say, how could that be? Look at your life. Look at my life. We're sinners. We don't deserve it. But God's grace reached out to you. It reached out to me. It has brought us forgiveness and cleansing and healing. And God is saying to us, if I could save Rahab, if I could make her into a chosen woman of God a, and a mother and a mother-in-law and a blessing for so many, I can do it in your life too. I can take your life and I can make it beautiful. I can put you together in such a way as you can be a blessing and have an impact on others. And that's why the Lord did it. 
And we're going to see that this morning from this wonderful portion of Scripture. If you look with me to Joshua chapter 2, we see the story of a woman whose life was changed, transformed, and blessed so much. Her along with Ruth are found in the genealogy of our Lord Jesus Christ in Matthew chapter 1. Rahab herself is mentioned in four different books of the Bible, Joshua, Matthew, Hebrews, and James. And she's a beautiful picture of what God can do in a life simply by grace through faith. So let's read together this portion, Joshua chapter 2, verses 1 to 21. I want to read it because it's powerful and it has an impact. Now Joshua the son of Nun sent out two men from Acacia Grove to spy secretly, saying, Go view the land, especially Jericho. So they went and came to the house of a harlot named Rahab and lodged there. And it was told the king of Jericho, saying, Behold, the men have come here tonight from the children of Israel to search out the country. So the king of Jericho sent to Rahab, saying, Bring out the men who have come to you, who have entered your house, for they have come to search out all the country. Then the woman took the men and hid them. So she said, Yes, the men came to me, but I did not know where they were from. And it happened as the gate was being shut when it was dark that the men went out. Where the men went, I do not know. Pursue them quickly, for you may overtake them. But she brought them up to the roof and hidden them with the stalks of flax, which she had laid in order on the roof. Then the men pursued them by the road to the Jordan, to the fords. And as, they soon, and as soon as they who pursued them had gone out, they shut the gate. Now look what she did now. Now before they lay down, she came up to them on the roof and said to them, I know that the Lord has given you the land. And the terror of you has fallen on us, and all the inhabitants of the land are faint-hearted because of you. For we have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea, for you came out of Egypt, and what you did to the two kings of the Amorites who were on the other side of the Jordan, Sion and Og, whom you utterly destroyed. And as soon as we heard these things, our hearts melted, neither did we remain any more courage in anyone because of you. For the Lord your God, he is God in heaven above and on earth beneath. Now therefore I beg you, swear by me by the Lord, since I have shown you kindness, that you also will show kindness to my father's house, and give me a true token, and spare my father, my mother, my brothers, and my sisters, and all that I have, and deliver our lives from death. So the men answered her, Our lives for your lives. If none of you tell this business of ours, it shall be when the Lord has given us the land that we will deal kindly and truly with you. Then she let them down by a rope through the window, for her house was on the city wall. She dwelt on the wall. And she said to them, Get to the mountain, lest the pursuers meet you. Hide there three days until the pursuers have returned. Afterward, you may go your way. So the men said to her, We will be blameless of this oath of yours, which you have made us swear, unless when we come into the land, you bind this line of scarlet cord in the window through which you let us down, and unless you bring your father, your mother, your brothers, and all your father's household into your own home. And so it shall be that whatever goes outside the door of the house into the street, his blood shall be on his own head, and we will be guiltless. And whoever with you in, is with you in the house, his blood shall be on our head if a hand is laid on him. And if you tell this business of ours, then we will be free from, our oath, from your oath which you made us swear. Then she said this, according to your words, so be it. And she sent them away, and they departed, and she bound the scarlet cord in the window. May God bless the reading of his word to our hearts today. What a faith. And this was not an Israelite who grew up with it, knowing the word of God and things. This is a woman who heard about the Lord and what he had done for the Israelites and how he had delivered them from Egypt and how he had brought them through the wilderness for those 40 years. And he heard what, he, what God had done to Sion and Og, those two Amorite kings. And guess what? She herself was an Amorite as well. 
And so all the people in this town that she lived in in Jericho were so afraid of the Israelites, not because of them being Israelites, but because they had the true Lord God of Israel. And they knew that they were under the sentence of death there in Jericho. They knew that God had sent judgment to come on them, that their city was a city of destruction and judgment was coming. But of all the people in the town, only Rahab, of course, and her family, came to know the Lord and be spared from the judgment. The offer of salvation went out to her and she received it. And so today we're going to just look briefly at her background, her past. And then we're going to look at the decision that she made to go against her own country, her against her own king, and against her own culture and religion and everything else, to make that decision to help the spies. Number three, we're going to see her faith in the true Lord God of Israel, the true God of the universe. And then we're going to see her deliverance and her blessing as a, a new life from the Lord. As we said, she grew up in a pagan society. She didn't have the Lord. She didn't have the knowledge of the Lord. She didn't have the word of God. Everything was worldly. Everything was pagan. They worshipped many gods. That they didn't worship the true God. And so it wasn't until just about this time, or just maybe just slightly before, that the Lord touched her heart. He showed her who he was. He showed her what he can do, and his power, and his grace. And she convincingly came to the Lord and accepted the Lord. And it's so amazing to see her life that was transformed. She was a sinner. She was a harlot. But isn't it interesting, when you look back to the life and times of the Lord Jesus Christ, who did he spend time with? Who did he go to minister to? Was it to the Pharisees, the religious leaders, the people that they were thought they were so good and they didn't need him? No, he went to the prostitutes, the harlots, the tax collectors, the scum of the earth, the lepers, all the people that the world says, ooh, we don't want to be around you. You're not good enough for our parties. You're not good enough for our homes. You're not good enough for our society. You're, you're, you're outcasts. You're sinners. But the Bible says that all of us are sinners. The Bible says all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. What does that mean? That means it includes me. That means it includes you. She was a sinner. She was condemned. She was under judgment like all of the others until the day that the Lord changed her life and saved her life. There came a day when two young men came to visit her house. They came in, and her house was on the wall of the city, right there in the front. So anybody that came into the town would always see there was Rahab's house. And we know the men used to go there. But here these two spies went into this house. There are some that speculated that the reason they went in is because they wouldn't be suspected in a, in a place like that. They could hide, they could be hidden there. But whatever reason, we know that God sent them there for a purpose. You know, things don't happen in life by a coincidence. When something happens, God has a reason and a purpose. And this turned out to be a divine appointment for this woman. Just as it reminds us of the woman at Samaria where the Lord Jesus says, I have to go to Samaria. I have to visit that woman at the well. I have to speak to her. Remember her, she had five men and none of them were her husband. He said, go call your husband. She says, I have no husband. Yeah, you're right. You have five men and none of them are your husband. God loves sinners. That means he loves all of us. He doesn't say, clean up your act, Alex, and then come to me and we'll talk and we'll, we'll get things right here. No. He says, come to me just as you are. Amen. That wonderful hymn touches my heart every time we sing it. Glory was playing a little bit of it this morning where it said, just as I am, without one plea, but that thy blood was shed for me, and now thou bidst me come to thee, O Lamb of God, I come. Can you imagine how ashamed she was because of the life she lived? She probably wouldn't dare go to a church. She wouldn't dare be out in polite company. She had to live separated from the town, separated from the people because people start to talk. That's Rahab over here. She's got that, that house down there and you know what goes on. There. And they talked about her. Think how bad she felt. But when God saved her 
and gave her eternal life and brought her into the people of Israel. He made her a wonderful blessing. And only God can do that. And as you read this chapter and you read the other verses of Scripture, you see it. I love the hymn that we don't have it in our, in our new red book, but the old red book we used to sing at at the other church, it says, Sinner, I'm a sinner saved by grace. And the words go like this. Only a sinner saved by grace. Only a sinner saved by grace. This is my story. To God be the glory. I'm only a sinner saved by grace. Guess what? Heaven's going to be filled with sinners saved by grace. And we're not going to be having, he's not going to have all our sins written somewhere. We aren't going to deal with that. It's all been dealt with at Calvary. All your past, all my past, forgiven under the blood. But we have to come to Jesus and accept him. And when we do that, he puts away our past. He forgives us. He gives us new life. And that's what he did for her. A woman like this. So many people today, they say, well... Those prisoners in the jail, they're not worth anything. Put them in prison. And yet the gospel goes into prison and people get saved in prison and they may spend the rest of their life in prison. Some may even go to death, death row and then to the, to the gallows or to the uh, execution by lethal injection, whatever it is. But once a person is saved, they are transformed. Transformed. And we can praise God for his saving grace in our life. And so that was her background. But I ask you, what is your background today? Are you carrying some guilt around in your heart today? If you haven't come to know the Lord, you, he wants to say, give me your guilt. Give me your shame. Give me your sins. I'll take them on myself. And he did at the cross so that we could be forgiven and our old life could be washed away and he could give us a new life. Only the blood of Christ can do that. Only the grace of God can do that. And we praise God for that. And she made a decision in verses 2 to 7 to help the spies. And can you imagine the king of Jericho personally comes to your door? Rahab, open up. Yes, my, my king. Yes, my king. Two men have come to you. We heard that two men have come to you. Give them over to us. They've come to spy out the land. These are, these are our enemies, Rahab. We need... Well, they were here. Yes, they were here, but I didn't know where they were from, and now they've escaped and gone out. And I think it's very interesting in this portion. God never commends her for her deceit, but he commends her for her faith. Her faith in the true God and being willing to embrace that faith, that's what she did. And she hid those spies like they were sons. She treated those, those spies like they were sons. She gave them a place to stay. I'm sure she gave them food to eat and things to drink, and then she put them up on the roof so they could be hidden under the flax up on the roof. And it's really amazing and marvelous because her house was right there in front of everybody and that they were hidden. There's a show on TV, it's called Hidden in Plain Sight. Well, that's where these men were. They were hidden in plain sight. And God protected them, and he used Rahab to protect them and save their lives. And so she took this decision even though this goes against my country, even though this goes against my king, even though this goes against my culture, my religion, and all the rest, I decide today by an act of my will to protect these spies. And that's what salvation is all about. By a willing, conscious act, you have to accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. No one will force you. No one will make you accept him. Even God won't do it. Think of that. God could make us saved. He could make us robots and automatically bow down to him. But does he do that? No. He gives us a free will and a free choice. And like Rahab, we have to make that decision by faith. And when we make that decision by faith, we have eternal life and we have it forever. And what a blessing it is. And I think it's so amazing that it tells us here in this passage in verses 8 to 14 that before she went to bed that night, before she put her head on that pillow, she had to deal with this issue. She didn't go to bed not knowing she wanted to settle it. And if you're here today and you've been on the fence, and I mean you've been thinking about accepting Christ, you've been thinking about being born again, and you've come to church and you've visited, today's the day because guess what? We don't know if there'll be tomorrow. 
And that's what she knew. She wanted to do it now, so she probably got the lantern and she went up there to the roof and she talked to these men. And we see that she wanted to get this settled. And she mentions here that all the people of the town are faint-hearted, they're all afraid of them, and all these things are happening. And how the Lord did all these miracles, like we said. But notice what she says in verse 12. This is where her faith really comes into play. She says in verse 12, Now therefore I beg you, swear to me by the Lord, since I have shown you kindness, that you also will show kindness to my father's house and give me a true pledge, a true token or a pledge of truth. And spare my father, my mother, my brothers, my sisters, and all that I have, and deliver our lives from death. Just Think of that. This is the kind of faith she had. Like in verse 11, it says, And as soon as we heard these things, our hearts melted, neither did we remain any courage any more in us. For the Lord your God, he is God in heaven above and in earth below. She had a faith. She knew there was something different about the God of Israel. There was something different. All the other gods were idols. All the other gods, you, you got a piece of stone or wood or you looked up to the sky and worshipped the sun or the stars. There's something different about the Israelites' God. They had the true God, the God that could turn the Red Sea and part the Red Sea for them to go across and, and all the pursuing army of Pharaoh would be completely destroyed. That's a powerful God. A powerful God to destroy the enemies of God. They knew that. But she saw him not only as a powerful God, but she saw him as a personal God. This is a personal God that you, you can talk to him. You can pray to him. It's not like you have this stone idol. What's that stone going to do for you? What's that false God going to do for you? Nothing. The true God loves us and has a plan of salvation to save us. His love goes out to everyone of every culture, every language, every race. And those who come to Christ are saved from all these groups. The Bible says from every tribe and tongue and people and nation, one day we're going to be in heaven. And I think it's going to be great because we're going to be able to talk to people like Rahab, the Apostle Paul, Moses, Peter, every one of the great men and women of God, we're going to be able to talk to them. They're all saved the same way, whether it's Old Testament or New Testament, it's based on the work that Christ did on the cross. In the Old Testament, they look forward to that work. In the now, in the New Testament, we look back to that work, but it's the finished work of Christ that made the difference in her life. And she had such a tremendous faith. And that's why we read in Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 31 of her faith. And it says this, By faith... Rahab did not perish, the, the harlot Rahab did not perish with those who did not believe when she had received the spies with peace. Amazing, amazing. She had this kind of faith. And I love how the word of God puts it. For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not as a result of works, lest anyone should boast. There won't be one single person that will be able to boast in heaven, I got here because I did a really good job, I lived a good life, I did so many good things, I helped so many people, gave so much money, tended church, did all of these things, you're not going to get in. The only way to have a ticket to heaven is the same way she did, is have saving faith in what God has done on the cross through Jesus Christ. That's the only way. Salvation without any buts without any yets or trying to add anything to it. It can't be added to. It's by what Jesus did for us. And she not only got saved herself, but notice the first thing that she wanted to do as a new believer in the Lord is bring in her family with her to be saved. So she said, please save my father, my mother, my brothers, my sisters, and all that is in my house. Save them too. And I think it's great we have this burden on our hearts to pray for our relatives, to share with our relatives, because we don't want to go to heaven and leave them behind. We don't want to leave them behind. Nobody should be left behind. God has made provision for everybody to make it, to make it to heaven. Not by hoping to get there, thinking we might, or if we've done enough good works, or no, he didn't want any indecision. He says you can know by making a decision to receive Christ. Believe in him. Simple as that. You're telling me that's as simple as that to go to heaven? Yes. Simple as that, receive Jesus Christ. And her faith was the real thing, too. It was the real McCoy because she had faith. She's, she put her faith where her words were. 
She put her faith into action. And that's why when James was writing about faith without works is dead, that whole passage there, he says in James 2.25, Likewise was not Rahab the harlot also justified by works when she received the messengers and sent them out another way? You know, Rahab could have said, well, I believe in God. I believe. I, I believe. But then turned them over to the authorities. Would that have been faith? No. She had to put her faith where her words were, or as Mike likes to say, and Vernon McGee used to say it all the time, to put our faith where the rubber meets the road. She put her really at her life on the line. If she had been caught having those two spies, what would have happened? Two things. Number one, they'd killed the two spies. Number two, they'd have killed her. So she took her life into her hands physically in order to gain a life spiritually. And sometimes that's what we have to do in life. We have to come to Christ. We have to leave the world behind, our unsaved friends behind, our old ways behind. We have to repent of our sins. We have to turn around. We have to turn to God and ask him to forgive us, and he will do it, and he'll give us a new life. And that is what he did with Rahab, as we're going to see in our story today. So she wanted to see her family saved. So they made a, she made, a, made them swear by an oath that because the, she showed this kindness to them, they would show kindness to her so that when the Israelites came, they would spare Rahab and all of her family. Doesn't it remind you of the Philippian jailer when Paul and Silas were there and the big earthquake happened and all the, the prisoners were, were there, but they, the jailer thought they'd all gotten free and were gone. He was going to kill himself. And then he said, Paul says, we're here. Don't do yourself any harm. And then he comes in with a lantern and he says, what must I do to be saved? And Paul said these words, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you shall be saved and your house. So that Philippians jailer was saved and his whole family was saved. And he took Paul and Silas in and he bound up their wounds and treated them so well. When a person gets saved, they want to take their family with them. But, and this is a big but, they didn't get along just for the ride. Those family members had to decide to do it too because the qualification was you had to stay in the house of Rahab. You had to believe you had to stay there because when the armies come, if you're outside that house, even for one second, you are going to perish because you're going to die. You've got to stay behind the walls of that house. It reminds us of Passover when in Egypt, all the Egyptians perished, but the Israelites were saved. Why? Because God passed over their houses. He, they, they slayed the lamb. They put the blood on the doorpost and the lintel around it. And when the angel of death came, the angel of the Lord, he saw that blood there and he passed over it. And this too is the beautiful picture in this chapter. They had a scarlet cord that she had to put in the window of her house. The first thing that she did after she said goodbye to those two spies is she went and got that scarlet cord or scarlet ribbon or scarlet rope, whatever you want to call it, and she tied it up in the window. People might ask her, Rahab, what's that scarlet ribbon? It's kind of nice color and everything, but what, what is it? And she said, oh, it's just decorating the house here. She couldn't say a word about it. She had to keep this a secret. We don't know how many days it was or a week or however long before the Israelites came into Jericho. That was a secret she had to keep. That was part of the obligation she had to have, and she did it. Because there was three qualifications here. Number one, don't tell our business to anyone. Number two, tie the scarlet cord in the window. And number three, stay in the house. And that scarlet cord, does it not remind us the scarlet of the blood of Christ? And his blood is over our lives. He's given us forgiveness and cleansing. And by that blood, God's judgment is not going to come. God's judgment's not going to come to your life. The Bible says we're saved from the wrath to come. His judgment is going to pass over every person on this earth who isn't a Christian. Everyone. None will be spared. But those who are saved will be because we've been washed in the blood. We don't tie a scarlet ribbon around our house, but it's in our hearts. The blood of Christ cleanses us from all sin, the Bible says. Those are the terms. Those are the conditions of salvation, and that was true of her. 
It reminds me of Adel's message he gave recently around the, about God puts a fence around us. He puts, he puts a hedge about us to protect us, and it's because we're under that wonderful blood. And I love what she said in verse 21. Her faith is so great here. It says, then she said, according to your words, so be it. According to your words, so be it. You know what that really is saying? According to your words, amen. That's what so be it is. Amen. And I love the word amen. I say it all the time when people are speaking. It's a great thing to do because you're saying, I agree with that. I'll do that. I'm going to follow that. Amen. And that's what she said. According to your words, amen. According to your words, so be it. We'll do it. We have the faith. We're going to stand on that faith. And can you imagine when she went to bed at night, do you think she was afraid? Do you think that she was afraid to go to sleep? Do you think that she was tossing and turning and worrying about what's going to happen when the Israelites come and what's going to happen? Do you think she got up and started pacing the floor and start thinking about what happens if they forget about it or what happens if the battle goes? Or what? Do you think she did that? No, because she had the Lord now and the faith in the Lord and the peace of the Lord, she went to bed and slept like a baby. She went to bed with peace. The Bible says, And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, shall guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. You know, it's really amazing when you think about it, because one, one day, if the rapture doesn't happen first, we're going to have to face death. We're going to come face to face with death. And it's so different for a Christian and a non-Christian. The non-Christian is worried, troubled, unsure, bothered. Is, you can just sense it on their face sometimes. You can see it. You can hear it in their voice. But the Christian has a calmness, has a peace. No one wants to die. No one wants to suffer. But we have that assurance that if we do die, when we do die, we're going to be with him immediately. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. And if the rapture comes first, which is what we want, we'll all go up together and be with him. But the key is to be saved because if the rapture comes and you're not saved, you're going to be left behind. And no one wants to be left behind. Sinners saved by grace. So she trusted in the Lord and she put her confidence in the Lord. Now turn over just briefly to the sixth chapter as we see, as Paul Harvey used to say, now you're going to hear the rest of the story. Because the story didn't end there. We're all on pins and needles wanting to find out what's going to happen when the Israelites come and all these things are going to happen. Believe me, you're going to see the beauty of what happened to this woman. In verses 22 through 25. Here we read, But Joshua had said to the two men who had spied out the country, Go into the harlot's house. He calls it, see? Go into the harlot's house and from there bring out the woman and all that she has as you swore to her. And the young men who had been spies went and brought out Rahab, her father, her mother, her brothers, and all that she had, so that they brought out all their relatives and left them outside the camp of Israel. But they burned the city and all that was in it with fire, only the silver and gold and the vessels of bronze and iron they put into the treasury of the house of the Lord. And now listen to this. And Joshua spared Rahab the harlot, her father's household and all that she had. Listen to this. So she dwells in Israel to this day because she hid the messengers whom Joshua sent to spy out Jericho. Did she have a happy ending? Did she have a good life? Did she have a blessed life? Yes, she did. Did Joshua forget? No. Does God ever forget? No. And the scriptural principle is this. If you do something for God, by doing it, you do it for his people, he's not going to forget. He didn't forget that Rahab took those two young men in and saved their lives. God doesn't forget that. He doesn't forget our faith. He doesn't forget what we do for him. He didn't forget about Rahab, and he sent the same two spies. This is amazing. He didn't send in a different group or you guys go take care of this. He sent the two spies, the same two. And we're going to see what happens here in this story because Hollywood could not write a story like this, and I'm serious. 
This city, as I mentioned before, is a city of destruction. Remember Pilgrim's Progress and how they had Pilgrim and he, was, he had to flee from the wrath to come. He had to flee from the city of destruction and he ran out of that city and he was saved before the destruction and judgment. Well, that's what happened here. They came and they took Rahab, her mother, her father, her brothers, sisters, all that she had, got them safely outside the town and then the judgment came. And that's a perfect picture of what the Lord's going to do at the rapture. He's going to take all of us out of this scene before the, before the tribulation comes, before the awful times of the day of the Lord, and we're going to be safe with him in heaven, and then the judgment's going to come. Praise God, he saves us like this. And what a beautiful picture of the grace of God that she became part of the Israelites. She became part of them. And she became a believer in such a wonderful way, and they took her in and embraced her just as if she was an Israelite. They called them proselytes and so forth. She came in. And God always taught his people, love the stranger. Love the stranger because you were strangers in Egypt. Welcome them in. If they come in by faith, welcome them in. She came in and she was so welcomed in that it's amazing, and I want to tell you how beautiful the grace of God is in this story. Now, I learned this for the first time in my life, and I was so touched by it. Story goes, there were two spies. One of them was named Solomon. If you go to Matthew chapter 1 and verse 5, you read about Solomon. Okay? Solomon became her husband. This woman was a harlot. This woman was outside the commonwealth of Israel, and she became the wife of Solomon. He was one of the spies. He was so appreciative and touched by what she did for him that this grew and ripened into love, and he married her. And then, it gets better than that. They became husband and wife, and they had a son. And guess what his son's name is? Boaz. Their son was Boaz. And who did Boaz marry? He married Ruth. This is getting better, and it gets better than that. And then Obed was born, their son, and he became the father of Jesse. And then who was Jesse's son? Was King David. Are you seeing the pattern here? That when God's grace comes into our life, he can graft us in like a wild olive tree. He can adopt us into his family in such a way as not just to save us, but give us a tremendous life. And all you young people that are waiting on the Lord, look what the, happened to this woman. A woman who had nothing, who was a sinner, who was an outcast, has now become a saved person and given a great life, a great husband, a great child, a great family, everything. And her name is spoken of in Scripture as a woman of faith. Only God can do that. Only He can save a person like that. He can save you today. He, can, he loves you today. He wants you to be saved right now and give you that kind of life. You say, well, he can't do that for me, can he? Yes, he can. Well, he doesn't know my life. He doesn't know my past and what I have done. Worse than Rahab? Maybe, maybe not. But his grace goes to the, to the least, to the last, and to the lowest. That's where his grace goes. He goes to the prison house. He goes to the harlot's house. He goes to wherever sinners are to bring them in to himself. God's love goes out like that. It's amazing. I was so touched and so blessed that the Lord has the power to save, the power to heal, and the power to give a new life. So today we've seen a woman who started off with a very checkered past, a very sinful past, a harlot, spent her life this way, an outcast and a stranger, came to the realization that there's something better out there. There's something I need out there. I need the Lord. I need the Lord who could do mighty miracles. I need the Lord who could turn the Red Sea and just part it and part the Jordan and, and deliver the Israelites from Egypt and all of these things. But more than that, not only do I need that powerful God, but I need a personal God who loves me and will forgive me and will accept me just as I am. Without one plea. And she came to Christ and she came to the Savior and her life was changed and she became part of Israel. Had this kind of faith that you can read about her in the scriptures and that's the kind of life the Lord has for us. Did the Lord use her in her life? Yes, he did. You say, well, what, what does it say in the Bible about her? 
I'll tell you what it says. She was a wife and she was a mother. And for all you wives and mothers out there that don't think your job is important, it is. There was a big controversy recently on Ann Romney, and they were saying, oh, she's just, she's just a housewife and just a mother and all of that. And I thought it was very interesting, and some were jumping in on this cause and this cause, and how does she know about this and that. But finally, I think it was very good that the president finally jumped on the cause too. I'm glad he did. And he said this, he says, what a mother does is more than any other job, any other responsibility. And that's what she did, and she took it seriously. So she said, I'm going to pour my life, my energy, everything I have to teaching my son. And look what he did. He became such a godly man, Boaz, respected leader. Don't think that you won't have an impact for the Lord. You can have an impact on your family, on your friends, on your work associates, everything. If we give our lives fully to the Lord, he will make us a blessing. Out in the highways and byways of life, many are weary and sad. Yes, we go there to the highways and byways. May the Lord encourage us today. And if you're here and you don't know the Lord, don't leave the building without it. I went and visited my uncle. His name is um, John Billings. And I went to visit him on Thursday after work. I mean, Friday after work. I'm sorry, on Friday after work before we went to Mike and Ginny's house. So I'm going to go visit my, my uncle. So I went up, Kaiser Hospital, third floor. And there he was laying in the bed, and I go, Uncle John, it's Dean. It's your nephew, it's Dean here. Three times I tried, three times to talk to him. I wasn't getting anywhere. I couldn't communicate with him. I, I was so afraid, so I went to the nurse, and I was trying to get hold of the nurse. Do you know about his case? I mean, is, can he communicate? Can he talk? So... I waited, and his nurse was busy with another patient. And then I went, and I went in again, and I tried it again, and he, he somehow came up a little bit. But here he is, not saved, not knowing the Lord Jesus. They give him not very long to live, days to live, and I wanted to, to go and visit him before, and I was sharing with him about the love of the Lord and how we can know Jesus. And I don't know how much was getting through, but I know it was. And then... I took his hand, and he held on to my hand, and he was listening. And Don't wait. Folks, please, don't wait till you get to that kind of condition where you're on your deathbed. We may not even have a deathbed. We, we mentioned that before. We need to get saved now because God loves us, and he wants to take us into his family now. He wants to give you an abundant life now. He wants to, like Jim said, when these young people in our church get saved and have a whole life ahead of you for the Savior, now. Let's not put it off. Let's not delay it. Let's get saved today. Shall we just close in a word of prayer? Father, we just want to thank you for the wonderful story of Rahab and her faith and the wonderful woman she became from a harlot, Lord, to a woman of God, from a sinner to a saint, to one who is an outcast, to one who is part of the family of God and part of the lineage of David and of Christ. Only you can do that, Lord. And I pray that if there's anyone here this morning that hasn't experienced this new life, that they will come to the place of realization that they're a sinner and that they need to come to you because you will forgive them of their sins based on what you did, Lord Jesus, for them on the cross. And we pray that they will repent and they will turn around and come to you and not let another day pass, not to let another week or month or year pass, but today is the day of salvation, Lord. And for those who are saved, help us to be encouraged that if you could do this kind of thing with Rahab and use her in such a way like this, you can use us, Lord, to touch others. Help us, Lord, to be ambassadors and, and help us to share with others your love. And so we thank you for this day and pray that you'll take us home safely and help us to rejoice that we know you as Lord and Savior. We pray in your precious name, Lord Jesus. Amen. Amen. them to hear his voice and see his face so that's our responsibility the minute we heard seek the Lord and say Lord what is it what are you trying to tell me I know your voice is behind this pain my pain is no coincidence it not it didn't just happen you allowed it because you're trying to reach me 
That's what a wake-up call is. I'll never forget when, I'll end with that story, which is funny. When we came from Lebanon and we were, we arrived to uh, France and we had slept or not slept night after night after night at the sound of the bombs that were so close to our house. And we had to put some cotton in the kids' ears so they can sleep. So we lived like six months of this, bombing and, and, and all kinds of wars and uh, buildings collapsing. Finally, we arrived to France and we go to this five-star hotel. And it seemed my husband had asked for a wake-up call the next morning because we had to catch the plane from France to Los Angeles. So early in the morning, like at five, everything is quiet and we hear um, this sweet, sexy voice on the radio saying, um, bonjour in French, I am your wake-up call, you know, get up and, you know, whatever it said. And I, and I woke up to her and Adel goes, ah, ah, and he was shaking. It was like he thought we're still in, in the war and that was a bomb or something. I go, honey, that's a sweet wake-up call. So get up, get up. So that's exactly how the Lord is. He's a sweet wake-up call. He tries to wake up wake us up so sweetly and so kindly. And we are the ones who go, oh, I want to sleep more. We shut it off, shut his voice, shut the message, because we want to go on where we're going on, like Balaam. Balaam didn't want to hear it. He kept smiting his donkey and shutting off the voice of God. So that's a lesson we all need to learn and, and keep, keep. Amen? Ginny, would you end in prayer, please? Amen.